Welcome back, guys. You found us yet again. We have episode, uh, the Mighty Thorcast, excuse me, episode 14, queued up for your listening pleasure. Uh, as usual, we come at you with coasts. I am one coast. My name is Ed, and my other co-host, Terry, is Terry. So... I always feel like there's a big sign that says insert name here. Yes. I state your name. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. We have some more feedback here. Yay. We got an email from Way, and he starts out, wow, you guys are really cranking them out now. The second week in a row to have two episodes in two days, at least being released on iTunes at that rate. And and I will have to say that, yeah, it, it might be pretty cool, but the reason we're doing that is because we got kind of behind. So. Christmas, blaming Christmas. After this episode, uh, we're going to try to stick to a bi-weekly schedule. So you won't get six episodes in three weeks. You'll get two episodes a month, hopefully. All right. um, Way goes on. I had all kinds of things I was going to go into, but I listened to you at work most of the time, and I can't seem to find my notes right now of stuff I wanted to send. Instead, I'm just going to answer a question asked during episode 11. Ed, you asked about the Einstein-Rosen-Morris-Thorn quantum brain and how many of them besides Einstein were real. All four are, or were, real people. Besides Einstein, whom you already know, you have Nathan Rosen, who died in 1995. He's probably best known for his work with Einstein and Boris Polalski. Then you have Kip Thorne, who specializes in black holes, wormholes, and time travel theories. He, along with his graduate student, Mike Morris, have come up with their own theories for wormholes. While all four have done plenty of other things, those are the ones relevant to Thor 617. The Einstein-Rosen Bridge is what popular science fiction calls a wormhole. It's a link between two places in space-time. The Morris-Thorn wormhole is what's known in quantum theory as a traversable wormhole. Like the Einstein-Rosen bridge, it connects two places in space-time as well. So what is the difference, you ask? Actually, you probably don't, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Feel free to skip this part when reading it for the podcast. Nope. I'm going to read it all. Time for education, folks. Get your pencils and papers ready. There will be a test. The Einstein-Rosen bridge isn't theory. We know they happen. Unfortunately, they happen so quickly and are so unstable that not even light moves fast enough to make it from one end to the other before it closes. That means you would have to be moving faster than light and know exactly where and when one was going to open to maybe be able to use it. The Morris Thorne wormhole is theory and would be more stable if it could be proven. Thorne and Morris have shown that these wormholes can exist in nature, but not that they do exist in nature. So what about the quantum brain part? Quantum brain dynamics is currently a hypothesis, not even a proper theory yet, to explain how the brain works inside quantum field theory in general. It's not especially fleshed out, and I have no idea why Fraction decided to add it into the mix. Combining the Einstein-Rosen bridge and the Morris-Thorn wormhole makes sense, at least on the surface. The way he wrote it indicates that, at least in the Marvelverse, their theories have been tied together directly. 
there is the very possibility that should the Morris Thorn wormhole be proven, that it will be tied to the Einstein-Rosen bridge that would, for all intents and purposes, make it the Einstein-Rosen-Morris Thorn wormhole theory. I hope that didn't drag too much for you. By the way, I've pulled out my old books and I've started rereading the Journey into Mystery books with you instead of relying on simply remembering what happened. I have some catching up to do, though, since I'm four episodes behind now. Don't worry. I'll be at 110 and 111 in time for your next podcast, come hell, H-E-L, or hi, Father. (laughs) (laughs) He's such a smart man. He is. Unfortunately, my new books come in one shipment every month, and I typically don't get them until after you've done your coverage of the latest store book, Way. All right. Well, thank you very much, Way. I um, didn't know all that about the wormholes and the stuff. and I had never heard that there were like naturally occurring wormholes. Me neither. I thought that was only science fiction, Star Trek kind of stuff. So that's cool. Cool. All right. Um, three books lined up this episode. A little bit of a switch, a little bit of a, a change here from normal. Normally we do three Journey into Mysteries this episode. Instead we're going to do two, and we're going to talk about the Thor Wolves of the North one-shot that just came out last week. I believe not this week as we're recording this on Sunday, but the Wednesday before, whenever, recently. So. In the month of December. Yes. So we will start with Journey into Mystery, issue 112. And on the cover here, we see Thor and the Incredible Hulk tussling over Thor's hammer. Here it is, the battle you've been waiting for. Sorry about that. Um, Another all-time great from the mighty Marvel powerhouse of ideas. Let me do something else here real quick while I'm thinking about it. Might make the recording of this episode go a little more smoothly. There we go. All right. On the first page, uh, interior page here, we see Thor flying over a section of the city past what appears almost to be a demonstration between the pro-Thor faction and the pro-Hulk faction arguing over who is stronger. Isn't Hulk at this point a bad guy? Um, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, kind of. I mean, he's not really well-liked by all the good guys, but he is constantly beating the bad guys. Okay. So it's not that he's trying to go out and do good. It's just that he is caught in situations where by beating this other person, he represents the good side because this other person was the bad guy. Okay. Um, He is a founding member of the Avengers, though. Okay. I was just trying to figure out why there was a group that was pro-Hulk. With him not being a good guy. Because they're just talking about who's the strongest. He doesn't have to be a good guy for somebody to say, my Hulk could kick your Thor's butt any time. Okay. You know. So Thor lands and, uh, you know, uh, f- first of all clarifies what the, you know, what the argument is about here. He, he thought he had it, you know, figured out and he wanted to check. So he sits down and for the betterment of the others, starts to 
weave a yarn. No, he's recollecting a fight. He's not weaving a yarn. He's weaving a yarn means he's telling a story which is not true. Oh, well, he's telling a story. Yeah, but it's it's a truth. It's, oh, okay. He's recollecting the truth. So not. he's weaving a true yarn. All right. Picky, picky. <laughs> Think she was an English major or something. Crap. So he starts talking about the events of Avengers issue three, which we don't have and we didn't look at. But if somebody out there wants to go look it up, by all means, this issue involves Prince Namor and Hulk apparently battling the Avengers who are comprised of Thor, Iron Man, Wasp, and Giant Man. And then Hulk is the other original. And here before too long, they thaw out Captain America. And so that's the first. So Hulk is turned from the Avengers at this point? Well, he was never really, really an Avenger the way they wrote it. What happened is Loki did something to pull him together. He didn't mean to catch the Hulk in the pulling together, but he did accidentally. So the Hulk came in and defeated that first menace, hung around for the second issue, and then in the third issue, decided he didn't kind of like things. And okay. So we see the Avengers um, trying to whatever these two. I, I don't. I don't remember exactly what the what the story was, so I, I can't. I can't speak to it. But here uh, they are. Namor and Hulk are getting ready to attack the Avengers, but the Avengers get the drop on them. Is what happens. And Thor, or excuse me, Iron Man, Wasp, and Giant Man take on Namor, and Thor and the Hulk pair off. And, and they pair off in such a way that their fighting pulls them away from the, from the, the rest of the groups here. So they're, they're doing their own battle somewhere, and, and in the midst of this battle, uh, Thor decides that he wants to prove once and for all who is the strongest. Um, I'm not sure why, um, I'm not aware that it was an ongoing thing or, you know, but he decides, you know, as a warrior, I guess he wants to know. So he, uh, sets himself up in kind of a protective, uh, little bubble here while he talks to dad and he asks Odin for the ability to fight for five minutes without having to hold his hammer and of course still stay Thor. So his dad grants that. And uh, the first thing Thor does is, well, since he doesn't have to hold his hammer anymore, he throws it at the Hulk. And the Hulk catches it and starts briefly using it against Thor, but Thor disarms him. And then they just start fighting, major hitting, throwing, bashing stuff. Um, at one point, Hulk finds a something that, explodes in some machinery hidden in the underground place where they are. And, and again, I apologize. I, I'm not sure where exactly this story stems from in Avengers. I mean, as far as what it's about, I know it stems from issue three. Uh, but Thor finds something in, in, a, in an abandoned complex and throws it at Thor and it explodes and stuns him. And so the, the Hulk senses the upper hand and, and kind of intensifies his attack, but Thor recovers and they continue fighting and still they're they're 
trashing things up pretty good and they're doing a lot of talking till finally uh Hulk throws Thor and in stopping his flight Thor hits a a a doorway either either side of a doorway to to stop his his flight and the impact creates a, a like a concussion wave that destroys the hallway between he and Hulk and basically buries the Hulk in debris. Uh, Thor goes to try to find Hulk to pull him out to continue the battle, but he's gone uh, having dug his way out and, you know, disappeared to other areas. Thor goes back to basically where they came from, and he sees that the battle between the other Avengers and Submariner is over, the Submariner having subdued them enough to try to escape. He's not hurting anybody or anything, but he's trying to get away. Thor decides to try to stop him and doesn't realize that the Hulk has arrived again, and so the Hulk and Namor team up against Thor this time. And... uh They, the other Avengers awaken and, and subdue the Submariner and Thor's time is up so his hammer comes back to him and, and everything returns back to normal. Now, from what I can tell by reading this, from the point that Thor and Hulk broke away until this point where Hulk and Namor attack Thor is all in this book. None of that is told in the Avengers. Apparently, the Avengers issue three, we see the Hulk and Submariner attack the Avengers, and then whatever happens in that book, and then I think this realigns with that story somewhere right here where Submariner and Hulk attack Thor, and the rest of the Avengers come and everything like that. So it's like breaks away and comes back together. Yeah, because he tells the boys, he said a lot of it was written down, but not my battle with Hulk. Right, so – I guess to see – I guess what they must have done is in that section of the book, the fight must have focused mainly on Submariner, which if I recall, he was the main bad guy of that issue. It, it was a Submariner story. So, All right, so we come back to the uh, the gathering there on the city streets with Thor, and you know, basically he said, well, and you know, that was it. We never really proven – Who's the strongest? I can't say who's the strongest because I don't want to just say something and not be accurate. And it cuts to the Thor out somewhere in a desert in the southwest mumbling about how he's going to – Hulk. Hulk, sorry. How he's going to defeat Thor and all this other stuff. And you see down here it says, remember, the Incredible Hulk thrills you each month in Mighty Marvel Tales to Astonish. Mighty Marvel's Tales to Astonish. I'm sorry. So just like Thor is in Journey into Mystery right now, Hulk is in Tales to Astonish, minus a handful of appearances at the beginning of the Avengers. And that is issue 111. 12. 112. It's the end of both of them. <laughs> no, it's the issue of 112. Issue. It's the end of issue 112. Wow. <laughs> Sorry guys, uh, Terry and I just came back from Compestre and I guess the full full belly is affecting my tongue here. 
All right. So, Miss Terry, what? How about that issue? What What did you think? That was okay. I mean, it it was an introduction to Hulk we hadn't seen. Whereas we have heard of Thor and the Avengers being paired up in the last few issues, we hadn't really seen anything of Hulk before now. And apparently, there's some big past with Hulk with Hulk that that I don't know anything about either. Being a newbie to this whole. Thing. Well, we can. I can maybe try to dig those up somewhere somehow. Um, this was issue three, and Hulk was already on the outs. So by probably five or six, we don't see the Hulk anymore. So maybe we could just for our own read those first six issues of the Avengers and just catch up on whatever was going on with the Hulk and Thor here. So okay, but it was it was a good story. I I like the uh, the retrospection there of going back and. And telling his folks. I've already closed it. Do you still have it open? Yes. Who who drew, wrote, all that stuff? It was Kirby. Stanley and Kirby. Was that Kirby? Hang on. Stanley, Jack Kirby, Marvel Masterwork. Inking by Chick Stone, lettering by S. Rosen. Mm, okay. Okay, it was 113 that I don't think was Kirby, now that I think about it. Okay. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I thought it was cool. Uh, I like that the, the story behind the story kind of thing. Um, we've never really talked about it here, but in, in my personal comic book reading, I'm not a big fan of all these stories that aren't part of the main continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if the story is good enough to tell, then you figure out a way to tell it in continuity because that's a reward to me for buying your stupid book for 30 years. You know, you kind of owe me that. Put it in continuity. Don't pull out these one shots and miniseries and say, oh, well, it's a so good a story. We just wanted to tell it. Well, that's fine. Tell your story. In continuity, mm-hmm. you know, not in another dimension, not in the far past or the future. It's like, no, I, I don't like that. I never have liked that. I, no, you know, if you can't fit it in, then it, it's, it's, a, it's a nuisance to me to have to now go pick up another book to read your good story. Now, of course, I know I don't have to. You know, it's my choice. But like I said, my reward for reading your book for 30 years and you know supporting you is that you can feed, f- squeeze that into the book i don't think that's asking too much Mm-mm. you know nowadays it's getting to the point where a lot of people are well, i just want to read a good story you know and you know that's fine because when you ask them they've only been reading comic books for 3 years what the hell do they care about continuity me i've got 30 years of reading of knowledge of books that I have bought for you just to go stick something out on the side for six issues and say, oh, here's another little story. Thanks. You know, it has nothing to do with the story you've been yeah, reading. Yeah, but it's a really good story. Wait, you know, and, and they may be right. I'm not saying they're not right, but it's just, to me, it's a slap in the face after all the time and effort and money I've already spent for them to just turn around and say, oh, here, you know, if you want to get this, you've got to do it that way. And that just, that annoys me. Invariably, all those people that are like, I just want to read a good story. Well, if you go back, you know, they have no experience reading 
So they don't care. They have nothing vested or invested for that matter. So that always pisses me off to hear those people and read them on the chat boards and in the podcast and everything. And I'm sitting here thinking, dog, I've got comic books that are older than you. You know, I'm holding in my hand something that's as old as your mother. So go ahead. Are you through? I'm done. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on to issue 113. The Mighty Thor. This is it. The secret of Thor's identity revealed. And then the Grey Gargoyle comes back. I knew he'd be back. I knew he wouldn't stay at the bottom of the Hudson. And this one is Lee, Kirby, Stone, and Symex, so I don't know what one you were reading that's not. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. I don't know either. Okay. Okay. And this is A World Gone Mad, starring the mighty Thor. And it's so funny, the beginning of this. When Imperious Odin commands Thor must obey, thus we find him aboard a giant Asgard skyship, leading his own awesome might to the battle against the demon men of Jothun. Jotunheim. Jotunheim. This doesn't have much to do with the main part of our story, but you've got to admit it makes a spectacular beginning. That's what it says, guys. Yes, exactly what it says, guys. Stanley has some sense of humor. Um, I want to point out here, too, on the front of that boat, uh-huh. the dude standing right above the credits. Yes. That's a mean-looking axe he's got. Yes, it is. I, that's I, a mean-looking axe. I like that axe. The, the art is quite detailed. It's a huge... Huge Viking boat. Yeah, probably being that they're Norse yet, and and it's got all and it's these. Got a, it's got a huge dragon esque instead of the woman masthead. It's got a huge dragon esque kind of looking mast yep. mastiff going on there, and Thor and Odin are up there riding along, and it's got all these these warriors hanging off, and apparently Stan Lee promised Jack Kirby that he could draw some action fighting scenes. And so the book starts with these action fighting scenes, although, like you said, it has nothing to do with the story that we're going to get into. But it makes for an awesome beginning, so he says. And there's no extra charge. So the next the next panel is of them all jumping off of the ship, getting ready to forge into battle. They're, they're then, boarding another ship. Yeah. So. And then you see then you see Odin and Thor fighting back to back because they're watching each other's back. And then in the next scene, you see Odin telling Thor what a good job he did. Such a good fighter for your honor and your glory. And you need to come back to Asgard and just just stay with us. And Thor's like, nope, sorry, Dad, can't do it. Got to go. And Odin's like, it's all because of that stupid woman. And it is. That's what it's I all because s- of the stupid woman. I say that all the time. Ed, why did you do that? That's because of that stupid woman. Being the stupid woman, um, I'm thinking I'm going to take exception to that remark. Hmm. There might be a little uh, Thor-like battle here later after the podcast is done. But anyway, Thor goes back to Earth because, of course, he has to go back to his mortal woman that he loves dearly, dearly. And he decides on his way back that he is going to renounce being Thor. And he is just going to remain the Dr. Blake. And he is going to tell Jane all about his him himself and, and, and who he is and what he is. And he gets back to the office, and Jane's like, oh, you're back already from the conference. And he's like, yes, I must tell you something, Jane. I am Thor, son of Odin, god of thunder. And she doesn't believe him. 
But meanwhile, there's a scientific group that has found a stone statue at the bottom of the Hudson. And they bring it up, and they're cleaning it off, and lo and behold, it comes to life. And it's the gray gargoyle who last time we saw was plummeting down, down, down in the Hudson where he had tried to attack Thor, and Thor had led him as Don Blake to the Hudson, and he hurtled off of his, I think he was on the back of a truck, uh-huh. and and Don Blake was on a motorcycle, and they kind of hurtled through and uh, through the air into the water, and being made of stone at that time, the gray gargoyle sunk to the bottom. And I'm assuming even though his little gray, his gargoyliness is not supposed to last more than an hour, for some reason he remained, which is what helped him stay alive because uh, he would yeah. not have been living as a, as a human. Because this says, uh, remember months ago, one of the guys uh-huh. are talking here. Yeah, months ago. And we know that this was in Journey into Mystery issue 107. Mm-hmm. So. so they've they've brought him back up, and he's back alive, and he's on the loose looking for Thor once again. So he so he's goes back to his apartment. I thought that's cute. It's a good thing I put my, my, apartment, my rent down on my apartment for a whole year. My room is still here. It's like, now they didn't say that in 107. But well, but you know, it's very convenient. Who rents? Okay, never it's, mind. It's, it's ret- Who pays for a whole year in advance? It's retconned. That's I'm that's that's you. what that is. Retroactive continuity. That's I a guess. retcon. I guess. And then they go on to tell the story of how he became the Grey Gargoyle once again. In case you didn't read 107, and he was a scientist who was who was trying to come up with some different things, and and accidentally found this turned to stone, and and. Went on from there. Oh, can I can I add something here? Yes. Um, in the Avengers, later from this, in the one hundred and I'll say twenty five through one seventy five, right in there somewhere, the Avengers fight the Great Gargoyle, and a couple of Avengers come back to his apartment. To look for the chemicals that can change back one of their comrades that he has turned to stone. Oh. But the apartment has been re-rented now. Oh, okay. So they bust in on somebody else looking through this apartment to find his chemicals. Um, like. So his year's up. His year lease is up. Well, it's, it's a hundred plus issues from now in Avengers that they did this. So I just, that, that just came to mind because I remember them. Opening it was supposed to be right here behind the mirror in the bathroom, and they open it, and it's all full of perfumes and stuff for the current residents. It's not. And she's like, oh, all that smelly stuff? Oh, I threw it away when I moved in. So. <laughs> so here's the gargoyle saying he's he wants to be immortal, and that's why he needs to find Thor, because he knows Thor is immortal. So he wants to see how you become immortal. He wants to find out what the secret is. Meanwhile, Odin is having a big old hissy fit because he has seen that Thor has told Jane who he really is. So he's having a big old hissy fit, and he's decided that he's going to disown Thor. And he tells Loki, even though you're my second son, perhaps you should have been my first son. Perhaps you were the one I should have been backing this whole time because he's all mad at Thor, even though Loki's an evil little, yeah. So Loki's like, hmm, I may be the victor after all, and I may not have had to do anything. 
And then we cut back to Don Blake and, and Jane, and Jane's telling him, I, oh, I left out that Odin took away, in his disowning of Thor, he took everything away from Thor. Thor is no longer Thor. Because when we cut back to Don Blake and Jane, and he tries to turn into Thor to prove to her that he is Thor because she's not believing a word he says, he can't. Now, because, see, so does this mean that Thor doesn't exist anymore? Is that what it means? Because he didn't take away Thor's power because this is not Thor. This is Don Blake. But now he can't turn into Thor. And if he can't turn into Thor, that means there is no Thor. And if there isn't, then that means he doesn't exist right now. Hmm. That's what that would mean. He just said, poof, you don't exist. Because where is Thor, right? I mean, if Thor exists, where is he? Well, he's not in Asgard. He's not on Earth because he just took Don Blake's ability to turn into Thor away. So... Where exactly is Thor right well, now? Well, where exactly was Thor before Don Blake found the cane in the cave? In the cave. That, that's a that's that's a good question. Where does Thor go when there's nobody to turn into Thor ever? Because I'm sure Don Blake doesn't live forever, does he? Well, no, he's mortal. So when Don Blake is gone, I don't know. Someone else is going to find the cane in the cave and turn into Thor. Or Thor. He doesn't exist without, without a human host. Yeah, really. He's a parasite. Hey. It could be. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, back to the story as we get all existential here. Um, we're at the office of Don Blake, and he's trying to turn into Thor to prove to Jane he's who he says he is, and he's not being able to do it. And Jane's like, oh, honey, it'll be okay. You're you just not, have illusions. Yeah, you're not Thor. You don't have to prove anything to me. That's okay. Please rid yourself of this obsession. Okay, but before another word can be uttered, the gray gargoyle busts in because this is the last place that he knows Thor was, was in the doctor's office. He knows there's a connection between the doctor and Thor, so that's why he's gone after the doctor to see if he can find out where Thor is from the doctor. And, of course, Dr. Blake can't turn into Thor. So Jane's all um, in peril, and he's having a little hissy fit of his own, telling Jane to run, run, run. And Jane's like, no, I can't leave you. I can't leave you. So they, they're running down the hall, getting into the elevator and, and, and trying to get away. And Jane's like, no, I can't leave you. I can't leave you. Yeah, she's making me mad. Just get out of the man's way. But then we go back to Asgard, and a bunch of Thor's friends who can't find Thor because apparently he's in some limbo land, not being able to be anywhere. But anyway, a bunch of his friends have gotten together, and they don't agree with Odin. They don't think Odin should be able to do what he did. And Odin has not told them specifically that they can't do anything. So they're taking this loophole while they can, and they're going to go do something. So Boulder, Balder the Brave, Boulder, I'm sorry, Balder the Brave is the one who decides. Boulder the Rolling Stone. Yes, sorry. All right, Mr. Compestre Man, whose mouth was all not working. I went to at the same restaurant. Behave. So Balder the Brave has decided that he's going to be the one that goes. And Loki sees him going and says, no, I finally won. This is not going to be, this is not going to happen. So he puts a narcoleptic seizure on the, on the horse. On the horse, yeah. And so Balder can't go because he can't leave his steed because, you know, a man and his horse. Very close. So there's other warriors that said, well, fine, we'll go. And Loki's like, no, I'm sending you into battle. You can't go. 
you know, I've got things for you to do. And they're like, well, who are you to tell us what to do? And I am the son of Odin. And I am first son now because you're right. out of the picture. So you're going to do what I say. I am the new number one. Mm-hmm. But somebody, and they don't tell us who, isn't there. And he secretly crosses the, the Bifrost yeah. and goes down to Earth to help. So then we get back to Earth, and the Great Gargoyle is creating mayhem, trying chasing down. Shaky, shaky. <laughs> yes. yeah, we love the mayhem commercials, everybody. Um, he's, he's chasing Don Blake and Jane Foster down the street, turning people into stone as he goes because they're getting in his way, and he's trying to catch them. And, and, and Don's like, please, let the girl go. And she's like, oh, no, I don't want to go. Maybe Thor will come and save us. And Grey Gargoyle threatens him with a special touch because all these people he's turned into stone, if you remember, if you remember from 107, gonna are going, you. I'm going to touch you in such a way. But anyway, in, they explain in 107 that his powers only last for an hour and you turn back into a human being. But he's, he's threatening them with the fact that he's going to touch them with the special touch and that will turn them to stone forever. Yeah, uh- so apparently he can choose. Apparently he can choose. What happens. That's the first time we know that. But as he's as he's menacing them down the end of the alley because he's got them trapped now, so he's moving slowly. A arrow is shot from some un, from unseen face. All you see is the hands, and there's a sudden explosion, and the gray gargoyle can't see anymore. And while he can't see. Jane and Dr. Blake escape in somebody's car. I'm assuming they didn't steal it. But they're riding down the road and Gargoyle's chasing them. And finally he lands in front of them and causes the car to have to turn into stone when he touches it. And they're Jane and, and Dr. Blake are still running. And he says, I mustn't let you be harmed no matter what happens. But alas, he... Uh, falls down because he's lame. You know, he's the lame Dr. Blake, he not the trips, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And Gargoyle catches him. And he reaches out and touches him, but at that moment, at that moment, Odin gives Don Blake slash Thor back his powers. You shall live again. You have 30 seconds. Make each one count. I just realized this is the hand that shot the bow grabbing him. Yes. Yes, this it's, is the hand that shot yeah, the it's, bow. it's whoever his benefactor is grabbing him and saying you have 30 seconds. Use them wisely. Yeah. And he turns back into – see, I thought it was Odin, but it's not. No, it is. We'll find out. We'll find out his name here in a minute, and I'll tell yeah, you something. The hunter. Yes. Yeah. But apparently, he has a lot of powers if he can. Uh, but we find out at the end why he had those powers. It's true. It is. Odin. He was but a messenger. Yes, he was. Okay, so Doctor Blake turns back into Thor for thirty seconds. For thirty seconds, That's all he's he has got. thirty seconds to 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 defeat the gargoyle, and he they fight. Back and forth, the gargoyle tells him why he's looking for him, that he wants to be immortal. And Thor tells him that that's a matter of birth. It's not something that you can just acquire, that to be immortal, you you, you have to be born into that. And, and Thor's like, my time is running out. I have to do something. So he tears up, rips up a streetlight, uses the electrical surge from the streetlight through his hammer, and 
for, and forces a blast into the stone man that melts the stone. And I've heard of that before that you can generate enough electricity to actually melt. Heat. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, heat. he, um, fused, fused. He, fused he fused his arms yeah. and legs together. Yeah. So. Yeah. So then Thor is, is, is seeing that he's all fused up and can't do anything. And he said, now I must find my unknown benefactor. Why do my legs feel so weak? Why is my head beginning to spin? Oh, I've forgotten my 30 seconds is gone. And as he slumps, a cloud rises back up into the heavens, and we find out that Odin has sent Honir the Hunter hunter down to help Thor, because no matter how mad Daddy gets... Right. But he couldn't let anybody know that he had done that because he had already said that he was he was renouncing him. Right. So he he tells Odin that the mission was fine and and everything went well. And he says, perhaps I have not the will to be truly omnipotent. I could not fail my firstborn, no matter how vexed my heart. I shall return his power for he is still the world to me. That's a daddy loving his boy. It is. I'm telling you. So Loki's in the background going, Arr! Yeah, he's yeah. spying on Odin. Yeah, because he thought, he thought he had it. What's up with that? And Odin doesn't know. He should be able to tell somebody yeah, spying on him. He should be able to tell. He but. should be able to, you know. But he's like, Odin's like, the choice will now be Thor's. The mortal girl did not believe his claim, and I pray he will abandon his efforts. So he's hoping Jane Foster will, will not ever believe, and, and things will be okay. So... We go back to Don Blake, and he says, I can feel that my power has been restored. I can feel that I can be Thor once again, but how can I give that up, even for love? So he goes and finds Jane to make sure she's okay and says the police will handle handle the gray gargoyle. And I imagine if we ever need Thor again, that he will appear, that he never fails us. And so all's back to normal, and Thor has given up his all his thoughts of telling Jane Anything else? Yeah, uh, one time he tried to do it, the gray gargoyle attacked him. I know. And she didn't believe him. That'd be enough to make me not to want to say anything again. Some big bad guy attacks me. Mama B, you didn't believe me. You love somebody, you believe what they say. Well, you didn't believe that you were the stupid lady, did you? No. I'll see there. All right, uh, that was issue 113 of Journey into Mystery. Um, I liked it because the Grey Gargoyle came back. I, I like the Grey Gargoyle. He's, yeah. He's kind of cool. He's kind of cool. And he's not really gone yet. He's just fused. I'm sure he can fix himself. Yeah. I, after, 60, after his 60 minutes are up and he turns back human, he'll probably be okay, just like when Thor and Don Blake trade back and forth. They're not affected by. I don't know. He didn't turn back when he was underwater. It wasn't for an hour. So, well, you say he comes back later, so apparently they fix. Oh yeah, he he stays around. You know, it could be that the next time he pops up, nobody really explains why he's just free. Yeah. You know, you 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 can never tell with stuff like that. All right, so now instead of doing a third journey into mystery book, we have this Wolves of the North one shot that came out recently. It is written by Mr. Mike Carey with art by Michael Perkins and Dan Brown. On the cover, we see 
Thor standing mightily, holding his cape in one hand and his hammer in the other with a lightning bolt behind him. Unlike the Journey into Mystery covers, that cover having absolutely nothing to do with the story inside. It's just a nice, pretty cover. Right. And it was drawn by Mike Perkins and Laura Martin uh, did the colors on that. So, All right. So we open the book in the midst of this battle. And the battle appears to be between a bunch of humanoid people and a gathering of unhumanoid people, rather monsterish. They don't necessarily bear a semblance to each other. You know, it's not like a bunch of lizard people or, or anything like that. Although the one guy here is pretty cool because he's got the arms of defeated foes hanging around his waist like a uh, skirt. Did you notice that? Look look at his look at his skirt. Ah, okay. It is the the arms of defeated foes that he has little, threaded. Little monster dude. Threaded around his waist like a skirt. He has girded his loins with the arms of others. That's that's pretty funny. Um we see um a a a, a man fall, a champion fall perhaps. Uh, you don't really know who or what he is. Uh, then you find out that he is the king of, of these people. He is the leader of these people. And they take him back to their village. Um, again, not, not much knowledge if this is like a country of people or if the people are just those in this village or, you know, there, there's not much information given other than the, the, precise that's going on here but uh the man is their leader their king and he has been felled and so his daughter must take his place even if just temporarily until a a true leader can be chosen by whatever method these people employ to to choose leaders and as they're speaking uh about her her new obligation a thunderbolt crashes from the sky, and left behind by the thunderbolt is Thor. So he has he has come to Earth. Uh, they immediately recognize him for who he is, and he says that, uh, you know, he asks, "Where is this? Where am I?" And they tell him, and he's like, "Good, the, you know, I I I got where I intended to go successfully." And then he kind of starts and, and, and stumbles in pain and you find out that, uh, someone is, is doing something to him and he indicates that Hella is up to no good and ha- is, is trying to basically cause him to go back to where he came from, not be on earth anymore. So that, that wave of whatever it is passes and, he continues talking. He he takes the uh, leader's daughter aside, who is is now the leader, uh, and and tells her basically what's going on, and that's that Hela is leading a demon assault on Asgard, and they're trying to trying to submarine Asgard, and that has taken them to Earth. So they're trying to get to the back door of Asgard by going through Earth's dimension, 
And on their way through, they just decided to lay waste to this particular village that was in their way. So Thor says, you know, he'll he'll help fight this battle, not just for you people, but because, you know, this affects Asgard. This is Hela trying to get Asgard. But he said, what I do need from you is I need something to anchor me here to Earth so that Hela's spell doesn't take me away in, in a moment of weakness. So, of course, in, in some love-struck, um, um, loyalty or something. She cuts a lock of her her own hair and gives to Thor to to be his anchor. So basically, that bonds Thor to her, and will thus keep him here on Earth for as long as he needs to be to complete this mission. Until he wants to leave, he can't be taken away against his will by Hela. So he rallies the troops, uh, patting the new leader on the bottom saying no you you can't fight because if you fight and get hurt then I'll get hurt and so if you fight and get killed then I'll disappear and I really need to stay here to win this battle so you have to sit aside so Thor leads the warriors from this village back out onto the field of battle and they start tearing them up some demon tush and uh, we find that Hela is actually here on earth uh, one of her minions scooting back to her from the midst of battle to inform her that uh, Thor is on Earth and, and what he's doing. And um, we we see that perhaps everything isn't exactly like what it appears to be. Because next, some folks break in on the... New queen. queen of this village. What is what is her name, babe? Let me look here. Einar Redhanger. Einar Redhanger. Einar. That's why I didn't answer you when you asked what her name was because I didn't know how to say it. Lady Einar. Is that his name or is that her name? Lady Einer, red, red hanger, red hanger, Einer. Okay, so, um, so someone, someone waylays her, uh, in her own, in her own, in her own home, I believe here. They even assault her. It cuts back to the battlefield and, and Hela has come out to attack Thor directly now. And basically she, as is the case with all bad guys, telling Thor her plan and what's exactly going on. We cut back to, uh, what I say, Anger? Anger? Anir. E-I-N-A-R. Anir. Anir. And that was her maidservant that was, that was captured. Not oh, her directly. So that she could let them into Right. The, into, into Lady Anir. Make Anir's. her speak and, and let her in. Yeah, okay. So now they have this woman that Thor is bonded to. Uh, we cut back to the battle with – actually, we're cutting back and forth – the battle with Thor and Hela. But these people that have broken into uh, the woman's home assault her and stab her. And just as Thor said, he feels the pain and, and, and falls to the – the ground, at which point Lady uh, Hella here turns over the battle to Scald. 
Now, wasn't Scald the name of one of those two giants that yes. was in? Yes. It was Surtur. The giants that were that And were, Scald was Scald. the other giant. Yeah, okay. Um, here he's a demon, but in that book he wasn't a demon. He so was just like, a giant. Yeah, like a a certain kind, uh, some kind of giant, something giant. Yeah. yeah so okay. Uh, so she turns uh, Thor over to this Scald, this big uh, demon champion, who also turns out to be the one that had beat the previous king and killed him. And he starts beating Thor around until calls him a pretty boy. Yeah. Until the woman gathers herself, and even though she is wounded, uh, she starts killing these other people, starting with the leader of this little band who happens to be a priest. Not sure if they're trying to say something there or not. but uh, So now she has turned the tide of her battle, which allows Thor to turn the tide of his battle, and he basically electrocutes this scald. Um, not sure how much damage if he destroys him or just knocks him out or whatever. Because the woman defeated her attackers. Uh, overall, Hela sees that her plan is not working, so she just fades away and disappears before Thor can get a hold of her. So they finish pol- uh, polishing off whatever demons there are left, and they move on to their... Um, Celebration, at which point uh, Thor and the uh, new queen of this realm decide to celebrate together on their own off by themselves. Yes. So. And so, uh, Terry, uh, Wolves of the North. So what did you think about that? I thought it could have been anybody. It didn't have to be Thor. It could have been any barbarian warrior. And... Uh, I I just I don't know. Well, I, I've not invested thirty years of reading into well, Thor, but it really. What was the point? Yeah. What did it do? Nothing. Besides putting another book on the market to to Thor fans to pick up and pay for and make money and read. As far as Thor goes, it didn't do anything. Um, the story was pat. I mean, it wasn't some phenomenal story that somebody had to tell. Uh, it didn't fill in any gaps that I'm familiar with. Um, it used this Scald character in a different way from what we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Now, Hela was the way that she typically is. Um, it, it showed a, a, perhaps a, a weakness in Thor in that if he bonds with somebody on Earth to keep him there, all you have to do is kill him, and he can he can be waylaid. You know, it's yeah. it's not proof against anything or protection against it. I just I, whoever were the people that okayed this at Marvel, I, I would just like to know what their thinking is of why. I, I don't get it. And they would probably tell the the thirty been reading thirty year people. It's just a story, man. Just, yeah. Just let it be a story. Which means that it was just a money grab is all it was. Yeah. You know. Oh, and that's something that's... Unless sometime later they, they, they expand upon this that Hela can apparently hide Bifrost from the Asgardians. Oh. Well, I mean, she's a sorceress, so she can do anything then, they need her to and do. And apparently she can cause them to have to remain there or be at her bidding. Unless they bond with someone on, I mean, die. I, I guess, didn't know yeah. That. I just, 
I, I just don't, you know, I don't get it. That other one shot that we did, um, to, to start the podcast. Yeah. Where he came it, to Earth and decided he didn't want to go back to Asgard ever again. Right. He was just going to be an Earth man. And it filled in some backstory. Yeah. I mean, that was a, a place in the story where you, could fit in more information, and that's what that was. That was another block. Mm. And but this, I just don't. You know, I I don't know what the point was. I, you know, it wasn't a bad story. It wasn't good. I wouldn't say. Like I said, it was Pat. Yeah. You know, he comes down to help because something's going on, and the something that's going on. Well, there's more behind it than what he thought, and he fights the main person that's behind it all, and they try to to uh, a tricky way to beat him and he wins out in the end and he gets the girl in the end and i'm like yeah you know I, i'm not sure what there was that was original there now i will say i did kind of dig the art yeah i liked the art i mean you know it was it was and i think that's because we so don't like the art of the new artists that we're dealing with well but it was tight enough that you could tell all the individual arms yeah. That Scald was wearing. Yeah. I mean, you know, so, so yeah, that, it, that was cool. Uh, the, the, the pencils, the ink, the coloring, that was all good. Uh, disappointed in the cover, had nothing to do with the story. And the writing, the story itself was just kind of a ho hum to me. Uh, it's no big deal. So, uh, I think those are the, the topics that we wanted to cover, uh, this episode, the, the issues rather. Now, next episode should be Thor's or Journey into Mystery 114 and 115, and the current Thor title 619. I, I think so. I believe so. And we uh, we uh, stand down to the end of the Journey into Mystery days because the last issue is 125. So when that happens. Have to cut three books uh, an episode and go down to two because the Thor book will be a full thirty some page, not eighteen to twenty pages like we've been doing. But we'll see. But nevertheless, uh, counting down issue one twenty five of Journey into Mystery was the last Journey into Mystery. One twenty six was the first Thor uh, issue. So we. We'll try to keep it to around an hour so that we don't yeah, wear yeah. our welcome. Whatever we do. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Um, if you uh, want to contact us, uh, you can drop us an email at the Mighty Thor Podcast at gmail dot com. Uh, just ask Way. Uh, he seems pretty proficient in dropping us emails, so that that's cool. We love you, Way. Thank you, Way. <laughs> also, we our website is Comic Book Noise dot com slash Thor. Uh, we have forums there that you can hop to if you want to. We also have a fan page on Facebook. The just the name of the podcast, the Mighty Thor. Actually, it's the Mighty Thor podcast is the name of the fan page. Uh, Terry and I spend most of our time there. We'll just leave it up while we're doing other things so that people can message us and whatnot. Um, I guess. That's pretty much all we wanted to talk about. Uh, Terry, you have anything else to say? No, I'm done. Okay. All right. Well, guys, uh, keep listening in. Hopefully, um, after this episode, we'll do a little better on keeping to a bi-weekly episode and, and staying caught up with uh, with the current book. 
we do appreciate you folks that have uh, uh, stuck with us and uh, that reminds me uh, kept listening to us. Um, little little tidbit there um, reminds me of we got our final yearly numbers. Um, we are part of the Deliberate Noise Network, but there is a small faction of podcasts that Terry and I deal with. Um, five, I think there's going to be a sixth one added this year. And Derek just kind of refers to it jokingly as the Moore Family or the Moore Gang podcast. But basically it's five, five different shows. And for the 2010 year, our five shows released 67 episodes to the tune of just a little over 25,500 downloads. So for first year of just a handful of podcasts, I think that's that's pretty good. It's pretty good. For all of you thinking about the math, that works out to be roughly 380 downloads an episode, but that's neither here nor there. But 25,500 downloads, that's that's cool. We appreciate everybody who listens. Yeah, that that's cool. That's cool. And and if we find out who you are, you know, listening, we'll be happy to mention you on the show in whatever capacity you want to be. So that's not a problem. But yeah, definitely. even if you want to keep it really, really quiet. <laughs> yeah, we'll whisper it. So you know. But we thank you guys, and uh, definitely want to thank Derek. Uh, without the Deliberate Noise Network, there would not have been twenty five thousand downloads. So thank you, Derek. We appreciate it. Um, Derek's on Twitter too. If you guys want to follow Derek on Twitter, I'm on Twitter too. But uh, uh, so is Derek. So, all right. Um, I guess that's it for this episode. We will see you guys back in another mm, probably couple weeks, I think, uh, according to the schedule of books there. So we will talk to you then. Keep reading some Thor and uh, Way. That'll give you a chance to get caught up on the rest of those Journey into Mysteries, man. So that way you can read along with us as we're going through. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye.